ring the bell, sucka. This is Movie Fighters, the show where Chris Sims and I, Matt Wilson, we watch movies and we beep them up. And it's June. It's my birthday month. And we were recommended a film by friend of the show and listener, Daniel Kibblesmith, that we were unable to come up with reasons not to watch because it is very much up our alley. It is the 2021 animated sports comedy Rumble. Whenever we do a movie like this, I always feel like your intro should be like, actually ring the bell. <laughs> That's true. This this what we've done quite a few wrestling movies. This is our second wrestling movie with the word Rumble in the title. Because we did Ready to Rumble for this show. I'm surprised there's it, it's only been two. Yeah. I mean, we did a bunch of movies with wrestlers in them that were not necessarily wrestling movies. That's true. That's true. But we, if there's a movie with a pro wrestler in it, especially like not even like an ex wrestler, but like an active professional wrestler, we are unfortunately doomed to watch it. This one has two doing voices. Only two? Two in the credits. There might be more in like small cameo roles, but this is a WWE Studios production. With Paramount Animation, because weirdly, it was a Paramount Plus original movie. Because I think this was, when did Peacock launch? I don't know. I mean, a a while ago. It launched in 2020. So this existed, this movie existed after Peacock was launched. But it was on Paramount Plus, even though all other WWE content is on Peacock. Yeah, which if you don't know, like all like WWE and uh, NBC, the, the General General Electric's national broadcasting company, have always had a cozy relationship. Yes, Comcast's, General Electric's, Universal's national broadcasting company. Yeah, on the hang on, hang on. I got I got a good joke, but I got to prepare it. <laughs> okay, well, I'll 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 do some explanation here then. WWE and Universal, NBC, and the Universal Cable Networks, USA. I think they divorced from Universal briefly when they were on Spike, TNN slash Spike, but. Because that's a Comcast, or no, that's a uh, Viacom channel. But anyway, WWE and Universal have a long-standing relationship. And that was what predicated the deal where all of WWE's premium live events, which used to be called pay-per-views, are now on Peacock, along with everything that used to be on the freestanding streaming WWE network. Which, in other countries, there is still a WWE network. But in the U.S., there's only Peacock. Is where all the WWE stuff lives now. They do also have a relationship with Fox. WWE. Because SmackDown is on Fox. 
But Paramount, they've never done anything with. Yeah. It is quite the wonder that this was on Paramount Plus. I guess just it was a Paramount animation project that then maybe WWE got involved with later or something. But the, the two wrestlers that are in this movie are Roman Reigns, Joe Noi. I, th- I believe he is credited as Joe Roman Reigns Noi, Which is weird. Yeah. That's weird to see. And Rebecca Quinn, a.k.a. Becky Lynch, who is just credited as Becky Lynch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, uh, um, I've got my joke ready. Uh, if, if okay, ready. please. Please. Uh, yeah. So you would th- th- this is on uh Paramount edition. Right, yeah. Uh even though you would expect it to be on uh Comcast's Universal's General Electric's National Broadcasting Company's uh Pavo Cristatus. <laughs> Worth the wait. Worth the wait. Thank you. Thank you. This movie has in addition to those two wrestlers, a wild cast, man. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. For a direct to streaming animated Paramount Plus movie. Wild. The star, a, a man who does much voice acting and many streaming projects, so maybe it's not that surprising. Uh Will Arnett who is the the like wrestler who is the lead character of the movie uh th- there's also uh i guess the the second lead uh is Geraldine Viswanathan who i don't know from anything but um you know we'll see how that goes uh Fred Melamed is a voice in this Charles Barkley <laughs> That's the first one that I've been genuinely surprised by. Charles Barkley is the plays Will Arnett's dad. That's even more surprising. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see that in live action, actually. That would be so fun to see in live also, action. Matt, show a little respect to Sir Charles Barkley. I'm sorry, yes, I forgot that he was he has been knighted. Uh Bridget Everett. Does a voice in this? She's great. I'm excited to hear her character. And who is who is Bridget Everett? Bridget Everett is a comedian, actress, comedian. Uh, she has a show on HBO Max, or I'm sorry, Maxwell. Uh, that I I think it's called Someone Somewhere, Somebody Somewhere is the title of that show. Um, but I mostly know her from like supporting roles in movies. Uh, she's she's really good. You would know her if you saw her. Okay. Um, ben Schwartz plays an agent. Sonic? Sonic himself plays an agent in this movie, which feels... I don't know. I don't know why it is that Ben Schwartz always gets cast in those roles. I think I mean, we know why. I think I do know. I think we know why. But I don't want to say it. Yeah. I think we know why. Uh, Tony Danza? That's a very surprising one. Uh, Tony Danza, I don't know 
I don't I don't know anything about what Tony Danza has been up to lately. You know, because mm-hmm. I'm a normal person. Right, you're not on the Danza boards. I'm not. I, I'm not on uh, Tiny Danza. <laughs> uh, the Tony Danza, the world's smallest Tony Danza fan forum. Um, you're not on Danzaniac dot fandom dot wiki. <laughs> I'm not on uh, Danzag, which is the Danzig Tony Danza slash fiction forum that I founded, and then and then don't go to anymore. There was a big falling out. Yeah. Yeah. Mother. Um, I don't know what's been going on with Tony Danza lately. Doesn't it seem like Tony Danza is a celebrity who's gone like weirdly super Republican? I mean, it does and it doesn't. I, I feel I, like there's no neutral ground with Tony Danza. Tony Danza is either like woke as shit and is out here like, I'll tell you who's the boss, trans rights. Right. Or yes. He's like Joe Biden poisoned me and the mind virus. It that is the case of all actors of his age, right? Yeah. They're he either is either like super chill or thinks the earth is flat. Yeah, they're either like out here on social media being like if you're mean to a trans child, I will kill you. You know who falls into that category? Sir Charles Barkley. Sir Charles Barkley, yeah. Love him. I did just Google Tony Danza controversy. Uh-huh. Apparently, he was mean to someone on the red carpet at the at a Broadway premiere. Okay. Uh, Tony Danza was also arrested. <laughs> I all right. I I looked up Tony Danza politics, and there are no. Well, there's one from this year, but most of the posts are from 2016, and they're mostly like, "It sucks that Trump won." Yeah, uh, I feel like I'm hallucinating when I hear people twist themselves into a pretzel to normalize this guy. So he has not gone the way of. Uh, what's a good example? Kelsey uh, Grammer. Kelsey Grammer's always been conservative, though. Yeah, I guess. He and, and Kelsey Grammer is weirdly like. I mean, he's been in some some movies that make you raise an eyebrow, but like, he's always been like that kind of like I don't know, quiet rich conservative. That's sort of like Koch brothers conservative. Uh, Which is because no, David Hyde Pierce is chill. David Hyde Pierce, chill as hell. Chill as hell. Uh, but no, I'm thinking of um, uh, uh, fucking uh, Dean Kane. Yeah, Dean, Dean Kane was a weird one. Dean Kane really took took a hard a hard right. Yeah, uh, at some point, Sorbo is one that I always think about. You know, for obvious reasons, Sorbo might be. The most outspoken of all of them. Uh, <clears throat> Stephen A. Smith does a voice in this. As a, as a commentator, obviously. Because when you hire someone who is a sports reporter for a movie, that is all they ever play. <laughs> uh-huh. But he's not an actor. You play, play to your strengths, man. Yeah. Play to your strengths. 
I I hope we get some kind of Stephen A. Smith reaction meme from this movie. Uh, Michael Buffer is basically himself. Of course. That's very unsurprising. Tony Shalhoub is in this in a small role. John DiMaggio does a voice. Running out of that monk money. Where'd that, where'd that Ms. Maisel money go, Tony? Uh, John DiMaggio. Well, I mean, he should still be, have been getting it at the rele- time of release of this movie. Uh, Carlos Elizraki, who you might know from Reno 911 and as the voice of Rocco, is in this. Uh, I'm leaving out some some names of people I I'm not as familiar with, but like quite a cast. Quite a cast mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't really know anything else about the movie. It is directed by Hamish Grieve, whose name on Wikipedia is not blue. So I don't know what else he's done. I can look him up on IMDb. He's other animation stuff. Art anim, art and animation department stuff on uh, other animated movies. Several Shrek movies. He was the Shrek for all Shrek for all movies. Uh, he was the head of story on Rise of the Guardians. Oh, a movie I know you like a lot. I do like that movie. Uh, and he was a story artist on Monsters vs. Aliens. So that's his deal. This is his first direct to uh, you know directorial feature. He did a short before that. Uh, reception. 47% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's all we get. So, here we go. We're going to watch Rumble. Alright. These are the chains we forged in life. Before we get into the movie. Chris, we do need to do the hottest segment in all of podcasting. It is time for Snack Situation. Let's do it. Chris, what are you snacking on for Rumble? Well, Matt, I have some... I, th- the only bit of good news that I have about our impending viewing of the film Rumble, which I don't even think we talked about what it is, by the way. It's an animated wrestling movie with... They're like monsters who wrestle. They're like, mo- they're like monsters that wrestle. Like wrestle monsters. Yeah. I didn't think we needed to explain. <laughs> I mean, we uh, probably should. It is. It, it's weirdly based on a book, a graphic novel, in fact, called "Monster on the Hill." You know, that sounds like one of them. That sounds like one of them. Somebody trying to get that Tegelmeyer money. That's what that sounds like. Mm, yeah, it's. I'm looking at Monster on the Hill right now. This is. I have no idea how they got this movie out of that book. Some of the names are the same, and that's kind of it. Anyway, what's your snack, Chris? Uh, Good news. And that good news is that my wife made uh, brown butter chocolate chip cookies. Ooh, boy. With that sea salt. Those are good. Those are good. They are very, very good. 
and I'm excited to eat them. Uh, yeah, yeah. What are you snacking on, Matt? Well, Chris, I had a birthday recently. You did? You, it's like the third time you've mentioned it. Okay, I'm not, fine. Which I'm not saying is wrong. Okay, fine. I'll stop. I, no, but I'll continue celebrating that. As you know, one of the gifts I got, or people who listen to the War Rocket Ajax podcast know that one of the gifts I got uh, was a smoker, and I did spend part of my weekend this weekend putting it together, but I've not been able to make any food in it just yet. So I am indulging in another one of my birthday gifts that was given to me uh, when I went to met, meet some members of my family for lunch. And it is just a tube of Takis Crisps Fuego flavor. A tube? It's like a Pringles tube. Like, these are basically Takis Pringles. Takis Pringles? Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's the flavoring from Takis in the shape of Pringles. Okay. All uh, right. All right. I'm digging that. Yeah. It's I I haven't tried them yet. I'll, I'll try them here in a minute. They're hot chili pepper and lime flavor because that's that's fuego. Mm, that is fuego. Yes. So we're going to try those snacks as we watch 2021's Rumble, which oddly is not even on Paramount Plus anymore. Wait, where it is, is it? It's on Amazon Prime. <laughs> okay, good, because I cannot find my Paramount Plus login. <laughs> this the, the story of this movie gets weirder and weirder. And it's not on Paramount Plus anymore. It's now on Amazon Prime. Beats me. Beats me what's going on with that. Beats me, man. But uh, you can watch along on Amazon Prime if you are so inclined. I think it was on another streaming service as well. Uh... But I cannot. Oh, it's on MGM Plus. Oh, okay. What the it fuck is still is on MGM Plus. MGM Plus is a thing. I think it's an Amazon thing. There's too many. There's too many. There's too many. It is apparently still on Paramount Plus as well, but it's on Amazon Prime too. So go figure. Mm. Uh, you can watch along with this if you want. The other bit of good news is that it's only 95 minutes long. So we're going to watch Rumble, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about it. And we are back from watching Rumble, the 2021 animated film. And we're going to get into the events of the film in just a second. But first, Chris, I think it is incumbent on us to discuss this movie's version of pro wrestling. And it's very unusual rules. Why do people keep making movies about professional wrestling? Why does WWE... And, like, pro wrestlers keep making movies about pro wrestling that don't understand 
what wrestling is well, and I how th- wrestling works. It's not boxing. Wrestling's not boxing. I think the best example of another movie we have talked about on this show that does that same thing is the movie Russell Madness. Yes. Yeah. Which did not understand pro wrestling. In which Johnny Mundo, John Morrison, yes, Johnny Impact, uh, does not do, like delivers a line about rounds, and it's like, motherfucker, you know, you know, you should have stopped them. <laughs> He's just cashing the check. I know, but like, you you should have been like, hey. I've been doing this for a living. That's not a thing. Ted Anderson, when he wrote a My Little Pony story that involved pro wrestling, sent me the script before he sent it in for me to be like, did did I get wrestling right? Just ask somebody. Go find somebody in a John Cena t-shirt and ask them. Well, here's what's funny to me. Like... There's stuff in this movie that is very specific wrestling stuff, right? Yeah. Like that, like that is very in tune with what wrestling is and how it works. And they they talk about a Saito suplex, the legitimate best gag in the entire movie that both of us like stopped and went, "That is a good joke." Is a very pro wrestling joke. Yes, and we'll get to it as we get through the movie, but and like. like all of the matches with all the mon- like all the monsters doing wrestling moves on each other like they do actual wrestling moves they they do the diamond cutter and german suplexes and brainbusters like and it all looks pretty good like it's animated you know, it's animated very well i will say this movie is animated very well yeah uh, and it the, is the, yeah the wrestling moves in particular are animated well, and they are called by name. Now, the diamond cutter you mentioned is called a stunner, which it, it's not a stunner; it's a cutter. Yeah, but it's but it's called like the it, it's like somebody's finisher, so it's somebody yeah. calling it a stunner, which is yeah. it, that's close enough for government work. <laughs> but like, here's my theory, okay? Because like clearly, the screenwriters of this movie, who are the director Hamish Grieve and Matt Lieberman, who that's also wrote. It's my first name. Um, who also wrote the movie Scoob. Which sucked. I haven't seen Scoob, so I don't know. Matt, but... we did it on this show. Oh, wait. I thought we did... I thought we did a different movie. Okay, we did Scoob. Never mind. We've done a lot of terrible Scooby-Doo adjacent projects yeah. over the years. Well, he wasn't the only writer of Scoob. He was uh, the co-writer. Uh, he was one of the writers of Free Guy... He- was one of the writers of Free Guy, which I also haven't seen because it looked really bad. It did look quite bad, yeah. Uh, but you know, he he's like a comedy screenwriter, <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly, the, the, but okay. So there's things about this movie or about wrestling that this movie understands and clearly like gets, and then there's other elements where it's like that's not how wrestling works. Yeah. What one where it's okay? So your first question when we went into the movie was, "Is the business a work or a shoot?" Which is the first question of anything that involves pro wrestling. Yeah, it's the first. You have to decide it, and you have to establish it immediately. That is my advice to anyone who is writing a wrestling story: decide immediately 
is the business a shooter a work? And if you don't know what that means, stop <laughs> writing your story about pro wrestling. Decide if the business is a shooter at work, and then and then explain that as elegantly and as early as you can, and s- fucking stick with it. In this movie, it's kind of both. So there's a weirdly wrestling... enough the, the Outlaw Federation, the underground, uh, your local promotion is uh, is is a fucking work. Yeah, so there's the big, like, legitimate, so to speak, wrestling organization called the WMW. It's the World Monster Wrestling. And that is a shoot. The fights in the WMW are real. There is an underground promotion in a town that lost its stadium, and we'll get into the details of that That's in a minute. thing, which is not how wrestling works, but yeah. yes. All the wrestling matches in that town, in that outlaw promotion, are worked. There is a promoter who is the character voiced by Bridget Everett, Lady Mayhem. She books all those matches and decides who wins and loses those matches. Uh, in, in case you missed it when Matt said it just now, that's Mayhem. Uh, because she's a very large, like, bird person. Oh, I didn't know. Is, I didn't know it was Mayhem because on Wikipedia they have her as Lady Mayhem. No, but, no, it's Mayhem because she. It, it's a. It, it's actually a very good pun. That's funny. Yeah, I did like it. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's part number one. The the business is a shoot, except for in the organized the organization. The outlaw organization where it's a work. And that's fine. But people, but people think it's a shoot and bet on it. Right. Right. Which is also how wrestling in the real world works. There are so many DraftKings ads on AEW television. I, I, I like that you can bet on pro wrestling because I like the idea of betting on a story. Uh-huh. I love the idea of like I'm gonna put twenty bucks on the fucking Empire winning against the Rebel Alliance right now. <laughs> so here's what else is weird about wrestling in this world. And part of me feels like the screenwriters it's not that they don't know how wrestling works. It's that they thought that since this is a monster wrestling league, that they could change stuff. And kind of make it their own. Because some of these are like narrative necessity kinds of things. To tell the story they want to tell. First of all, every town has a wrestler that represents them. Like a sports team. Yes. So like, and also all the town names sound English. Even though they're very English, even though nobody has an accent except for King George, King Gorge, King Gorge. Well, King Gorge doesn't have an accent. King Gorge's trainer has an accent. That's true. I don't guess King Gorge ever speaks. King Gorge doesn't talk because King Gorge is just a dog. (laughs) Like that's what's that's the weirdest thing about him. King Gorge is just a dog. King Gorge is a big dog, but he does have an English trainer. Yeah, they are sports teams. That are 
they, they are like sports teams that are the pride of that town. Right. So you are like, you know, I live in the the book that this is based on has to be English. It's got to be like an English children's book because the town names are the town where it's set is Stoker on Avon. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Slitherpool is another town, which is pretty, pretty, pretty funny name Sl- for us. Slitherpool is the big city. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, Pittsmore. Yeah. Is another is another one, which which is where the which is where ECW is. <laughs> Should have right. gotten Paul Heyman to voice Lady Mayhem. Paul uh, Heyman. Okay, that, that, that should have been it. Rob Harrell is the author of the graphic novel that this is based on, Monster on the Hill. He is from Indiana. Okay, then I don't fucking know, dude. Weird. Weird. Are, well, are the filmmakers? The filmmakers have to be English, right? One of them is named Hamish. I don't know. I don't know. But it's weird because, like, I, nobody has an accent. Anyway, it, it's. There are a lot of things about this movie that I think would be explained if it, if it turned out that it was a British production. Because, well, because the way that people yeah. act about the the monsters being like the kind of local pride of, and and they have the stadium and everybody's very invested in it does seem very like British soccer, right? Like they make a, they make a lot of LeBron James jokes, but also it does seem very like particularly British soccer kind of pride. Another element that might make sense if this was British is that, the wrestling matches have rounds. Which, Chris, you said you think is how it worked on World of Sport. I think that's how, like, old British wrestling worked. It's not the way British wrestling works now. No. It's not the way British wrestling works in the World Wrestling Entertainment Federation. Yeah. It's not the way pro wrestling works. Wrestling's not boxing. Wrestling doesn't have rounds. But the matches in this movie have rounds for some reason. And again, it is narrative necessity for it to have rounds because all the wrestlers also have coaches, human coaches. So all the wrestlers are monsters, but they have human coaches who ride around on little hover bikes and instruct them between rounds. Yeah. I'm not clear on whether or not there are count outs, (laughs) <laughs> There's a, a long section of one match in this movie where they go outside the ring for a long time and nobody's counting. All the pins, though, are 10 count pins, which is bonkers. I was, we were talking and I was like, can you imagine how bad pro wrestling would be if there were 10 count pins? Yeah. Yeah. You can out at nine and a half. Well, so the the way matches end in this movie, it's very confusing. Because sometimes, because the last match in the movie ends on a 10 count pin. There's another match that ends on a 10 count knockout. There's another knockout that happens with no count at all. One, one person just gets thrown out of the ring on their back and the match is immediately over. The rules of professional wrestling 
are so simple. They, they are complex. Look, they are complex and they are weird, but they are so simple that you can get it just by watching pro wrestling. Yeah. You, but, and yet people keep not knowing what they are and getting <laughs> lots of money to make movies about it. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard the rules of wrestling explained on wrestling television ever. Yeah. Like, I have never, I don't believe I have ever heard anyone say the words, closed fist punches are illegal in wrestling. I mean, I guess, wrestling programming. I guess if someone is punching with a closed fist and they want to point it out, because it happens all the time and it flies and it's fine. Yeah, but, but the referee will tell them, open up the hand, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know why closed fist punches are illegal in wrestling, Matt? Tell me. Because not fucking boxing. Yeah, that's right. That's the exact reason why. That is the difference between wrestling and boxing. Stop thinking wrestling is boxing. I've, I've never heard anybody on wrestling television say, count to three and, you know, I mean, I guess they'll, like, mention things that are the rules, but they'll never, like, sit down and say, these are the rules of pro wrestling. They'll just say, you can't lose the title on a count out or whatever, you know? WWE put out, like, a book that was, like, like, I think it was a comedy book, but it was, like, the the wrestling rule book. Like, the referee's wrestling rule book. And I'm very curious. Uh, I, I didn't read it. I don't know anyone who has read it. But I'm very curious to know if it had, like, the actual rules of a professional wrestling match. Because I would love to, like... There's, there's weird stuff, like tag ropes. Yeah. That people, like, that is very... It's very weird and arcane. But it's not hard to understand. You yeah. can get it by watching. The, the, I what mean, the thing is, the thing about tag ropes is sometimes they're there and sometimes they're not. Yeah, you can <laughs> tell some, the matches. You can tell if you're watching fucking professionals by if they have tag, tag ropes. That's what I think. <laughs> okay, so the movies grasp on professional wrestling and the rules of it. Nebulous. Nebulous. But here's okay. Now that we've established that there's this whole thing where wrestlers represent towns and they're like the local wrestler. The movie opens with a wrestling match between Tentacular, who is the new local wrestler for the town of Stoker. And yeah, so all the we get a like we get a thing that made me think they understood, which is that we get the little there's a call your local cable company style thing that yeah. they don't like. They have a little countdown in the corner to when the event is about to start, which is very like that's really very wrestling. Uh, and I I appreciated that and I thought that was a good bit. But they kind of explained the backstory, which is that this town used to have a very famous wrestler named Rayburn and a very famous coach named uh, Coil Jimbo. 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 Yeah, his last name is Coil. Jimbo Coil. Yeah. And uh, but they were tragically lost at sea, and that is the only information we get about that. It's very funny. Yeah, you think maybe they're gonna like come back by the end of the movie? They don't. They do not. Lost at sea. Very They're, funny. By all indications, dead. Dead as fuck. Yeah. Uh, so th there's a new wrestler who has been trained up. He's he's Coil's protege. 
uh, and one of Coyle's fellow, like, I, is, is he, is, is it Coyle's dad? Is it, is, is Jim Coyle's dad? I don't know if if that's who he is. He's he's the Tony Danza character. He's a Tony Danza, who's an old guy with a fucking peg leg. <laughs> oh, okay. He was Jimbo's assistant. Okay. He was so he's not his dad. He was just like he worked with Jimbo, and now he's coaching Tentacular, who's just like a like he's got tentacle arms, but he is an otherwise like pretty normal, like giant monster. Yeah, he's, he he doesn't really have a gimmick. He he is a sea monster, but it, by all indications, he's just like a wrestler, right? Yeah, he is voiced. He's I didn't mention this in the opening. He's voiced by Terry Crews, mm-hmm. who uh, is pretty good here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he uh, he's he's like the new representative of Stoker. So all the businesses in town have like put tentacular stuff on their buildings and stuff like that. Yeah. Which seems very British soccer to yeah. me. Yeah. And there's one guy who covers his body in tentacular tattoos and that will be a running gag throughout the movie that he that gag keeps getting and getting over. That he that is the gag of the movie that does not get over. He keeps getting tattoos for the new wrestlers that or people that represent the town. And then has to get them removed. That's the that's the gag. So anyway, Tentacular is having a match with King Gorge, who is a big dog. King Gorge and, is a is a wrestler with a gimmick because King Gorge is just a large like bipedal bulldog with horns. He's like you know a fifty foot tall bulldog man, um, but he also comes to the ring too fancy. Not not fancy by um. Uh, not not the country song fancy. No, not I the Applebee's song. Not the Applebee song. The uh, uh, what's her name? I can't even remember her name. That's how much I hate that song. Uh, Iggy Azalea. It's the Iggy Azalea, Iggy Azalea song. Yeah, fancy. The Iggy Azalea um, song, fancy. But he has well, like at first a cape at first and a crown and a scepter. Yeah, at first it's Rue Britannia, and then yeah. it turns into fancy. And yeah, he's basically the British Bulldog's dog, Matilda. Yeah, but as a kaiju. Yeah. So and they have he a has like little guards who like have a scissor lift that like raises him up to the ring. So he has a gimmick. He has a full ass gimmick. Right. So they start their match, and at first King King Gorge is winning, but our lead character in the movie, Winnie who is Jimbo's daughter, is there at the match, and she notices that King King Gorge has a tell where he keeps licking his nose every time he's about to do a move. So she runs down to the ring and tells the coach, Tony Danza, and Tentacular that King Gorge has a tell where he always licks his nose when he's going to do a move, and... That's how Tentacular can win. And wouldn't you know it, he notices that, he sees that, and he wins. Yeah, uh, we we thought, <laughs> I thought, I was like, oh no, she's going to jump into that ring, and th- they're just going to beat the shit out of this young lady. Yeah, you cannot go down, you can't, cannot you jump. You can't jump the fucking rail, folks. You cannot, you got to stay in the crowd if you're in the crowd. 
But Tentacular wins and immediately turns heel and says, I'm so happy to be champion and to leave this town and to go somewhere where I'll be appreciated. And that place is, I keep the, forgetting the name of it. What's the name of the city? Slitherpool. Slitherpool. Yeah. I'm going to go to Slitherpool. I'm taking my talents to Slitherpool. Which There's is like three LeBron James taking my talents to South Beach references yeah. in about five minutes. Yeah. And so he piece, he turns heel and pieces out. And the movie actually uses the phrase turn heel without explaining what it means. So it must be in the vernacular enough that people just know what it means. I think people have picked it up from like, it is now the turn for like, becoming a bad guy like it's you know on fucking tv tropes i think people know what that means even if they don't know where it's from i think well i i mostly see the phrase heel turn and i think people think that means like spinning around on your heels to go a different direction that's not what it means that's not what it means anyway he turns heel he says he's going to another town to represent that city and he's leaving Stoker behind. And he's got a new manager. So this is the Ben Schwartz character, whose name is Jimothy, by the way. Which is confusing, because there's a whole thing about how this is the, the Jimbo Coil Memorial Stadium, but also they're going to sell it to Jimothy. And we don't have to sell it to Jimothy. Uh, we got to save the Jimbo, the Jimbo. And it's very confusing. Yeah, and I kept thinking, like I kept thinking, they were calling the stadium the Jimothy, because they would be like, "We don't have to sell the Jimothy," and I kept thinking they were saying, "We don't have to sell the Jimothy." Uh-huh. I was like, "Oh, that's a funny. That's funny if that's like his name, but no, like it's just confusing." Second draft, baby. Notably, Jimothy is just Tentacular's manager, so Tony Danza stays as his coach, and. Winnie is like, why Why are you leaving to go with him? This is your Fuck town. Tony and he goes, and Tony Danz is like, I'm just the coach. I go where he goes. Sorry, and, kid. Nothing and, personal. Yeah. So they all leave town. Everybody in town is mad because they've adorned their businesses with tentacular stuff. And now, they, because they've lost their local guy, the no one is using the stadium, which the town all the townspeople all own. They've all invested in it, and they're going to lose all their money. Right. This is explained in the most condescending scene I have ever seen in a movie. I actually thought it was funny, but I see your point. Well, so okay, so there's this character. There's there's a mayor. That's the Fred Milamed character. But then there's also a character who is referred to as the councilwoman. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's just one member of the city council. <laughs> the powers that be. There's nobody else on the city council. They could just call her the vice mayor or something, but she is the councilwoman. Alexandra York of the York Foundation. That's exactly what she is. Her, she's voiced by Greta Lee, by the way. There's a scene where she explains to the townspeople that without wrestling matches, 
because Tentacular is leaving. There won't be any money coming from the stadium, so everybody in the town is going to lose their money. So the only way that they can recoup any of that money is to sell the stadium to Jimothy. The people ask, okay, what's Jimothy going to do with the stadium if we sell it to him? And she says, the councilwoman explains, that he's going to bulldoze it and make it a parking lot. Because there's there's no need for a stadium anymore. By the way, the stadium looks exactly like the Hall of Justice. Yeah, it, which means it also looks like the Cincinnati uh, train terminal. So it's a beautiful building. It's gorgeous. I would love to watch pro wrestling there. This fucking Art Deco-ass stadium where monsters fight each other? Yeah. Oh, God, fucking feed it to me. The gag is that the councilwoman is explaining it to the townspeople who are stupid. So she's explaining it to them like they're stupid. Like, very condescendingly. But it feels like the movie is explaining this to us as the audience, condescendingly. See, I, I don't know. I... I don't think you I think you took it weirdly personally. <laughs> I was being talked down to. It felt like Anyway, they're going to have to sell the stadium. The people of the town are mostly resigned to this idea. They're like ready to sell to Jimothy except for Winnie who says, "I'm going to go get a new wrestler." to bring back to the city, to Stoker, that can be our new local wrestler. Yeah. Which, and that's not how wrestling works, but yeah, it's fine. But yeah, she's got, because uh, she's like, hey, that's my dead father, my presumed dead father's legacy. Yeah. Because uh, it, it, the stadium is also named for him. Right. Uh, and uh, it, it's the uh, Jimbo Coyle and Rayburn Memorial Coliseum. Or whatever. So she goes to the town with the underground fighting wrestling league. Because that's mentioned in the town meeting. Yeah, they're like, oh, you know, otherwise we'll be like Pittsmore, where they have to have illegal, or not illegal, but like underground, unsanctioned monster fights in a, you know, what is it? It's an abandoned bobblehead factory. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, it's an old bobblehead factory. funny. Like that's that's a good bit, and you and I were both like, "Hang on, more of that." No, she goes there, and it looks rad. It looks like such a cool place to watch wrestling. You said fucking Dario Cueto is there, and it is so much like the temple from Lucha Underground. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It, it, I think that that shows you and I like our like taste and influence because it looks like. ECW and it looks like local wrestling. Like it looks yeah. like a it is the most looks like a wrestling promotion thing in this entire movie. I've been to so many wrestling shows at a brewery. Yeah. Yeah. But man, this looks great. So she goes there, she watches a couple of matches, and she starts asking every winner if they'll work with her. Yeah, and they uh, all laugh at her. This is where we get a character whose name is Axe Hammer. Yeah, uh, who is Becky Lynch doing a voice? It's not uh, good. It's which is not good. 
it's like I literally said before we realized it was Becky Lynch, I was like, Axe Hammer might be good in the ring, but she ain't good on the stick. <laughs> it's, it's too bad. It, like, both she and Roman Reigns were given characters that do not match them very well. Yeah. Weird choice. So, Axe Hammer, among other wrestlers, laugh Winnie off when she says, come fight in Stoker. She finally watches a match where a wrestler named Steve uh, fights a, a, a big guy named Clonk. Yeah, who his is name is like, Steve the Stupendous, which is such an I-don't-watch-wrestling name for a wrestler. Like, you <laughs> might as well be called, like, the fucking Master Marvel, you know? Yeah. And we see from their match that the wrestling here has worked, because they're in the ring calling spots. Yeah, and like Steve keeps getting distracted because he sees Winnie, and the guy he's wrestling is like, "Hey, what the fuck? You're supposed to, you know, you got to go down. I'm supposed to hit you with the thing, and you're you're, you're gonna reverse it, but then I roll you up or whatever." Uh, so you and I were like, oh, "Okay, so it's a work, right?" Even though people are betting on it, yeah. And so there's a whole like little running thing in the background where this one guy has bet on Steve even though he's definitely going to lose. It, except, improbably, he ends up winning because he gets distracted by Winnie. Yeah, he keeps accidentally like dodging the moves and like fucking up the spots, which is a, pr- like, it's a pretty good... It, it's a well-choreographed and like well-done bit of this guy keeps trying to like hit him, and then he's got to... Like, he, the the guy who's supposed to win, the guy's supposed to go over, knocks himself out, and so there's like a little Yoshihiko style moment of Steve trying to wrestle himself uh-huh. <laughs> with this guy's knocked out body, which is pretty funny. That like that's a good wrestling bit. Hey, if you don't know who Yoshihiko is, by the way, I implore you to go look up Yoshihiko. Congratulations. Listen. Spelled exactly how it sounds. So fantastic. Every Yoshihiko match is... Yoshihiko might be the greatest wrestler alive. (laughs) I think you're right. I think you're right. So, Steve ends up winning the match. Because here's the thing. Winnie recognizes Steve. Steve's name isn't Steve. Steve is Rayburn Jr., and we this get is some like new information for all of us, by the way, where we're like, how come it was not mentioned that Rayburn had a son? We see some flashback scenes of Steve as a kid with Winnie as a kid and also with Rayburn, who, let me reiterate, is voiced by Charles Barkley, <laughs> which is, boy, it's something else. It's something else. It's terrible, man. It's, uh, Charles Barkley or Rayburn tells Rayburn Jr. at one point, we got to get serious. And it's incredible. Yeah. So after Rayburn Jr. slash Steve wins the match, in front of everybody, the booker of this territory, Lady Mayhem, comes out and tears Steve a new one. Cause and she's like, you were supposed to lose. You were supposed to go down. You owe me big time. 
She comes out and goes, ring the fucking bell. <laughs> and then Steve spits at her and then writes WMW in the air. And then is like, I'm going to go take a shower. If you're still here when I get back, I'm going to knock you out. I'm going <laughs> to knock you out. That's not what happens. No, it's not what happens. But it's a good joke. She, she tells Steve, all the money I lost on bets... You owe me. And you better go get it quick. And when he tells him, hey, come wrestle for me and we'll, you'll get the money. You'll, I'll make sure that you get the money. Just come wrestle with me. And that's how she gets Steve to agree to come train with her. At that point, we get the first of many training montages in the movie. They go back to Stoker. And when he tries to train Steve, and they start some like training montage music, but Steve is doing a terrible job of working out and getting in shape. And there's a great gag where Winnie taps her phone and stops the music and says, I don't know why this isn't working. We've got the right music. You should be getting better. Great training montage joke. Very good. They go have a match at, like, it's like a big shipping dock. Like, this is Steve's first big WMW match. Mm -hmm. And it's against Roman Reigns' character, who uh, is Ramarilla Jackson, who is just really intense. Who keeps saying shit like, like, what's his finish? It's like the Ram Slam? Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm going to do the Ram Slam. I'm like, well, I can't believe we're about to watch Ramarilla die in the ring. (laughs) His heart gave out. You know, the only people that are going to tell him he's retired are you people. Roman Reigns is at his best when he's at like a five. You know, when he's like kind of calm. Mm-hmm. Like it took a while for Roman Reigns to kind of figure that out, right? Or for WWE to figure that out about him. Mm-hmm. Where, like, Roman Reigns is best when he's got a kind of got this simmering undercurrent. Yeah, but he's like cool on the outside, right? Hey, acknowledge him. Yeah, acknowledge him. Ramarilla Jackson is just at a ten, constantly, all the time, yeah. and it's not good. It's not the character Roman Reigns should be playing. Nonetheless, the the match ends up being kind of like... It's another thing where Steve kind of ends up winning improbably. Yeah, because at first he's like, like, yeah, I'm just going to do the J-O-B at the PPV, buddy. Yeah, Um, he, 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 like, Ramarillo whiffs a punch and Steve just goes down. Yeah. And Winnie is yelling at him to get up, and Ram Marilla, Ramzilla, whatever his name is, he's saying, "Yeah, yeah." He's also saying, "Like Rampage Jackson joke." I guess so. Okay, all right. He's saying, "Like, hey, I don't want to win this way. Don't be a faker. Get up." And finally, he like jumps way in the air and is going to like come back down and land on Steve. So Steve moves out of the way. Yeah, because uh, 
when he tells him, he's like, yeah, I'm just here to, I'm just here to make money. And when he's like, you only get money if you win. It's winner take all. And that's when he like decides he's going to try and fight. And so he runs around, tires him out. Uh, that like, that's the deal. Cause she's like, she's like, yeah, he's really strong. So we know he doesn't have any stamina. And I'm like, I'm not sure that's entirely accurate. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I mean, I guess traditionally speaking in pro wrestling, that is true. Ultimately, in the end, Steve and Ramarilla are both tired. They get back, they go, they do it, spend a bunch of time outside, and then they come back to the ring, and they're both tired. And it's like the end of an NXT main event where they're both just like slumped down in the ring and barely moving, and they are struggling to get back up. And finally, Steve puts an arm over Ramarilla and pins him and wins. All the wrestling commentators, Stephen A. Smith, are talking about how this this wasn't a real wrestling match. What was this? This match is my worst match of the week. And so even though Steve won, he's still kind of embarrassed. Yeah. They they uh they do the gag from uh Monsters Inc. where he's like where uh when he's like, uh they said it was the worst match of the week, and he's like I was on TV. <laughs> Which. Yeah. Uh, so they go back and they start training some more. And they get into an argument. Winnie tells Steve that he's not a good wrestler. Steve tells Winnie that she's not a good coach. She He flicks all her papers into the air. By the way, she has a notebook that says plays on it. Wrestling doesn't have plays. Spots. Spots, moves, strategy, wrestling. It could say anything but plays. <laughs> Maneuvers. Just not plays. Nonetheless, Winnie is trying to like figure out what gets Steve interested, like what he's interested in so she can get him motivated. And she's like, What do you like? What do you actually like? And he's like, I like money. And I like food. I like salsa. And she goes, what do you mean by salsa? What did you say? Salsa? And finally she learns that he likes salsa dancing. She plays some salsa music and he gets up and starts dancing. And so she says, okay, this is how we're going to train. This is how we're going to learn. You're going to learn how to wrestle by tying it into salsa dancing. This story beat comes out of nowhere. Yeah, and this is it's at this point that I was like, this character has too much going on. Because <laughs> he's lazy, and he's also in debt and needs the money, and he's also like he he doesn't want to he's trying to not be overshadowed by like he's he's resisting trying to live up to his dead father's legacy, but also he's going to wrestle but with salsa dancing. And that's just, that's simply too much. It's, it's some hats on some hats. Steve has his next match. It's against a literal Lucha Dragon, which the Lucha Dragons were a tag team in WWE. I think they were out of the company by the time this movie came out. 
I think they had been released. <laughs> but he wrestles the Lucha Dragons. It plays the Lucha Dragons entrance music. And he beats... It, it's like the worst of the league match, I think is what it's called. Even though Steve won his first match. Yeah. And, and if there's one thing that you and I know, it's the dancing gimmicks get over. Yeah. No way, Jose. Yeah, Fandango. <laughs> Fandango so, debuted at WrestleMania, Matt. He sure did. He beat Chris Jericho in his debut. I was Fandango and on the way here, Matt. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve wins that match against the Lucha Dragon. Then he's going to have another match against essentially Monster Yokozuna. Yeah, there's they a, talk about there's how like a real, there's like a real kind of rough, like reg- very regressive bit about like, oh, he's so fucking fat. This guy, oh, he's fat and gross. He's basically King Hippo. Yeah, it's a it's a thing where oh, we just have to get him down on his back and he'll the match will be over. Yeah, why aren't you helping him, Matt? Can you see this wrestler on his good, back? Why aren't you helping him? It's a good question. There's a wrestler on his back, Matt. <laughs> so they decide that the way that Steve can make this happen and win this match is by lifting him up over his head and then tossing him back. And it's basically an extended dirty dancing joke. Yeah, they bring back uh, Becky Lynch's character and they do like the whole like lifting training sequence montage from dirty dancing. Yeah. And then he says, nobody puts Ray Ray in the corner, which is weird because at the time he's still using the name Steve. Yeah. He refuses to be Ray Byrne jr. Because he's like, that was my dad's name. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to use that name. Real, real Curtis Axel situation. It's very Michael McGillicuddy, yes. Yeah, I guess it's a Michael McGillicuddy situation. It's the opposite of the Curtis Axel situation. True. Curtis Axel is two legacy two names. Of them, yeah. Yeah. But neither of which is good. No. That guy's name is Joe. He should they should have called him Joe Perfect. That's it. That fucking perfect itself. Joe Perfect is a great name for a wrestler. Joe Perfect is a great name, and I believe, like, I said that years ago, and your thing was like, yeah, and he could say, Mr. Perfect was my dad's name. Yeah. Oh, I no, Mr. My name's Joe. Mr.'s yeah. my dad. I'm Joe Perfect. Yeah. You can call me Joe. Mr. Yeah. Perfect was my dad. Yeah. It's right why are there. We not, why are we not booking wrestling? Jesus Christ. All right. Because we haven't won the lottery. We would immediately turn into the two biggest fucking money marks of all we time. Would be, if I had Tony Khan's money, I would do exactly what Tony Khan's doing. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> Tony, Tony Khan is he's an inspiration to all of us. Yes, yes. In some ways. In, in some ways. Look, also, actually, honestly, if I was... In the position Tony Khan was in, and CM Punk had that media scrum that he had, I would have, I would have been a deer in the headlights too, man. 
I understand. Yeah, no, like, what are you going to do? What are you going like, to do? What are you, what are you doing in that situation? I don't think I would have brought him back. I mean, I guess you stand up and say, this this press conference is over. Hey, man, yeah, you got to go to the back. I, I think when, by the time he's pounding on the table going, I offered him money. He said it was not enough. Yeah. Like, you're like this, hey, everybody, uh, we're going we're gonna to call it an, an evening. Well, let's bring out the next person. You got to go to the back. Yeah. Hey, um, hey, uh, uh, Chris Statlander, come on out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, 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 Trent, what are your thoughts on the situation? <laughs> uh, okay. So they show a couple more matches that Steve wins, I think. And as those matches are happening, and he's using his salsa dancing moves to win the matches, Tentacular is watching him on TV, just like Apollo Creed sees Rocky on TV. Yeah. It's like almost exactly the same scene. And I, was, I was stunned <laughs> that it was such a one-to-one Rocky thing. Anyway. Hey, do you know what wrestling is not? I feel like I might have said this before. It's not boxing. It's not boxing. Yeah. It ain't boxing, folks. Eventually, the contract signing for the sale of Jimbo Coil Stadium is happening in Stoker. This is actually one of the most wrestling things that happens in the movie, is that there is an elaborate contract signing sequence. Yes. It's that like... It turns into a fight. Yeah, so it's like... It's like a big public event where they're going to sign the contract to sell the stadium. And so Jimothy is out here selling the parking lot that they're going to have. And it's very funny. Ben Schwartz is very funny in that part where he's like talking about the features of the parking lot. (laughs) But just as Jimothy is about to sign the contract for the stadium, Winnie and Steve show up and they say, we want to challenge you to a match. If we win, Stoker keeps the stadium. And at first Tentacular's like, no, no. What do you mean? No. But Steve gives a whole speech about how he's not Steve. He's Rayburn Jr. Oh, this is important. At the press conference, somebody asked Tentacular why he wants to demolish the stadium. And Tentacular says, I want to destroy everything that Rayburn ever did. It's a, it's actually a really good heel motivation, because he's like, yeah, yeah, I grew up in this town. I'm from here. I'm trying to make my own legacy. I can't do that when I'm surrounded by somebody else's legacy. So I'm going to destroy it. Yeah. Which is like, a he's very like, good wrestling heel motivation. Yeah. He's like, I'm never going to stop being compared to Rayburn. Because we're from the same place. Yeah. So I'm just going to tear down everything he ever did. And then I'll just be known for me. And that, and- that gives Rayburn Jr. the ability to say, well, I'm his son. If you want to destroy Rayburn's legacy, you got to beat me. We're going to go three rounds. 
right. and so everybody's like, oh, three oh, rounds. Yeah, he like uh, Winnie is like, yeah. He'll, how long did it take you to beat uh, uh, King Gorge? You beat him in, in three rounds. What if we'd go three rounds? And I'm over here going, wrestling doesn't have rounds. <laughs> That's not a thing. So the big final match of the movie is set. Uh, they're going to have one big last match at Stoker Stadium, at, at Jimbo Coyle Stadium, for the stadium. And it's going to be tentacular against the newly christened Rayburn Jr. So Rayburn Jr. makes his entrance to Eye of the Tiger, a salsa remix of Eye of the Tiger. Pretty good gag. Pretty Which, good gag, honestly. Again, is hats on hats, right? It's a Hulk Hogan reference, because Hulk Hogan, as you mentioned, Hulk Hogan used Eye of the Tiger as his entrance music. Yeah, in the AWA, yes. Not just in AWA, I think he also used it at the first WrestleMania. I think you're right, I think you're right. That was his pre-Real American uh, entrance music. If you watch it on on Peacock, it's been dubbed over with different music, but it was Eye of the Tiger. I guess it's been dubbed over with Real American, right? But yeah, it was Eye of the Tiger. WWE has changed so much wrestling history. I know they can't use it because of copyright stuff, but nonetheless, I hate that they go back and like change, change the entrance music. Yeah. Like if you go back and watch Chris Jericho matches on the uh, on the network or on on the cock, uh, it is they they put break the walls down as his theme instead of his. Uh, even flow, even flow rip off, off yeah. because that's a Jimmy Hart track, and so presumably Jimmy Hart has those rights, and they're gonna they gonna even pay Jimmy Hart. I I wonder if it's that because there are other Jimmy Hart themes that get used, like uh, Hulk Hogan's WCW music pre NWO. Do they American American, American made. made? Yeah, American Made is bad. It's very bad, <laughs> but. I think it might be a thing where it's like they don't want to use the song soundalikes because mm. maybe they're worried that they're too close to the real songs because those those Jimmy Hart soundalikes are so close. I want to go back and maybe I want to see if they use Diamond Dallas Page's uh, music. The the smells like they don't rip off. Do they not? They don't. Yeah, mm. it's not it's not in there. Bummer. Self high five. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> It just sounds like Teen Spirit. Like it's like two notes are different. There's a great clip of uh, Raven and DDP on TRL, mm-hmm. and the Foo Fighters are there. And so, like you know, DDP does like a diamond cutter on Raven, like through like you know through through a table on the set of TRL, and they play his music, and you can watch Dave Grohl hear it, and be like. Hang on. It's great. <laughs> that that's just that just smells like Teen Spirit. So anyway, Can I play this. Is this is this me? It's it's a lot of hats on hats though because it's it was Hulk Hogan's interest music. It's the music from Rocky Three. It's the song from Rocky Three, and there's a salsa remix that he dances to. <laughs> it's a lot going on. Uh, Tentacular comes out to... I forget what music he comes out to. 
He comes out to um, Here Comes the Hot Stepper. That's right. Yes. And they start their match, and the original strategy that Winnie has for Rayburn Jr., like, they just want Rayburn Jr. to go the three rounds, to go the distance in Rocky parlance. Yeah, like, uh, uh, Winnie's mom shows up and goes, hey, this this building is just a building. This is not your dad's legacy. You're your dad's legacy. And so, initially, he's just doing defensive moves. He's He's dodging and getting around Tentacular's moves and only playing defense. And that works pretty well for him in the first round. Like, he manages to not get hit, but he doesn't hit back. Before the second round... He doesn't even fucking know about the championship advantage. That's right. Un-fucking-believable. Before the second round, Tony Danza says, hey, you really gotta take the fight to Rayburn Jr. Because he's dodging everything you're doing. So just hold on to him. Like, he wants to dance, you dance. So in the second round, Tentacular comes out, and he immediately grabs Rayburn and doesn't let go. And he's, like, doing moves on him, like, keeping wrist control the whole time. And as a result of that... That's right. As a result of that, Rayburn takes a huge beating in the second round, and it looks like, before the start of the third round, that... Winnie is going to throw in the towel because Rayburn and Jr. is that beaten up. But Rayburn Jr. is like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't throw in the towel. Let me try. And this is when Winnie's mom gives the whole speech about, like, you're your dad's legacy, not this building. Yeah. You know, it's, all, it's, it's not about... And she is saying that to get Winnie to throw in the towel. But... It actually inspires Rayburn to take the fight to Tentacular. So the third round starts, and Rayburn actually starts using offensive moves. He's, he's still doing the dance stuff, but he's using offensive moves now. And the the third round is what you might call it's not overbooked, but it, it gets it gets a little wild. There is a chair shot. The single best joke, like one of the things we we haven't really mentioned. There's a lot of jokes about how the wrestlers are forty feet tall. Uh, the monsters, the monsters are kaiju sized, right? So yeah, when the, at one point when uh, Steve slash Rayburn Junior goes back to uh, Mayhem, he's got like all the money he owes her, and he's got so he's got like this briefcase full of money, but. It's like a human briefcase full of money, so it's tiny, and is he's like holding it between two fingernails. That's funny. Uh, there's stuff with like the like regular people using things for the monsters. There's a bit where uh, Tentacular is sell- like trying to record a commercial for his energy drink, and where he's t- holding like a human sized yeah, bottle yeah. in his fingers. It's a and very it- tiny drink bottle. Yeah. yeah. Tentacular, we see this chair flying through the air, and Tentacular grabs it and hits uh, Rayburn Jr., El, El Hio de Rayburn, with it. And But it's like a human-sized chair, 
So he grabs it, and it's like this tiny little chair, and he just clocks him across the face, and that, like, knocks him out. It's the it's the best joke in the thing. It's the most pro-wrestling joke in the thing, I think, in the whole movie. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah. it is a, like, both of us not only laughed, but we went, that is funny. That's a yeah. good joke. Yeah, it's it's the best joke in the movie, yeah, I far think. Far and away. Far Even and though- away. This movie has a lot of good gags, but that's that's the best yeah, one. There, there are there are a lot of good gags. There's uh, this movie's frustrating in that way, but we'll we'll talk about that. So there's the chair shot bit. There's some more back and forth between Tentacular and Steve. Finally, they both end up down in the ring, and Tentacular starts to stir, and Rayburn Jr. is still down, and. In what is probably the corniest part of the movie, Winnie's mom starts and everybody in the stadium starts clapping, yeah, to get Raybird Jr. to get back up, which to be fair, is how pro wrestling works. True. It's just, uh, I, I don't know. She should have it's, had him in a headlock, though. The way it's presented is too corny. Oh, that, that he gets hit with a pile driver. That's when the clapping happens. Uh, after so out there like, break his fucking neck. <laughs> Tentacular does a pile driver, which is illegal in WWE. Tentacular does, yeah, Tentacular's out there. Uh, Vern Gagne pays Tentacular $3,000 to break... Uh, to, to break Rayburn Jr.'s leg for real. $25,000 to get Rayburn Jr. out of wrestling. He's got... Uh, he, he, uh, it's, it's weird. The weirdest scene in this movie is when Winnie breaks his leg on the first day of training so that he'll learn to respect the business. <laughs> <laughs> the clapping works. Rayburn gets up. And he does his signature finisher on uh, Tentacular, which is a reverse cytosuplex. And he wins the match. Mm-hmm. And they save the stadium. Also, Rayburn Jr. becomes the champion, even though it was never stipulated that this was a title match. I'm just saying. Uh, Matt, are you saying that the feud was hot enough without the title? <laughs> I'm saying that. It's not a title match if they don't say it's a title match. You got to ask for a title match for it to be a title match. There were already stakes, and it was the stadium. That's I mean, all. It it was kind of stadium versus title. That's true. Yeah, it's kind of lucha de apuestas. <laughs> uh, so Rayburn wins, and there's like a shot of Rayburn and Jimbo like on the big screen in the stadium and the credits start rolling. There is a brief mid credit scene where Rayburn and uh, Winnie have eaten too much Froyo. Cause it is introduced about two thirds of the way through the movie that the way that they celebrate stuff is by eating Froyo. Uh, and they have like brain freeze and whatever. And, when when he likes Froyo, and at one point when she's sad, her mom's like, "I'll get you some Froyo." And Matt Wilson 
in true Matt Wilson fashion, was incensed at this and yelled into my headphones, she deserves ice cream. Yeah. Yeah, get her some ice cream. Chris, what are our high points of Rumble? There are there are good ideas in here. And I know there are good ideas in here because the core idea of this film about a girl and a giant monster in a wrestling match, like like is is a pitch that I worked on for a while. Uh, back when when Chad Bowers and I were writing together, this was one of our our big pitches that we never got uh, really into shape. Uh, it was it was more his idea than mine by far, but we were gonna do a story with that premise. So there are good ideas here, and there are really good gags here. Genuinely yeah. funny. A lot of the stuff with like the different sizes, it's it's not super overdone. Like when he gives that money, they don't make like a like a big deal of it. He just holds up this tiny briefcase, and it is played, you know, relatively straight. Uh, there's good set pieces. I like the idea, you know, they use the, like we talked about the, uh, the fight that takes place, like in the dock, like the dry dock for the ships. There's a lot of like use, you know, creative use of props in that scene. And a lot of the animation is genuinely really good. Like the wrestling and wrestling moves, those are wrestling moves and they look good. It's not somebody doing something, you know, that isn't wrestling and calling it by some dumb name that's called by some dumb name, but it's at least accurate pro wrestling. Yeah. I would say all of those things are the best parts of the movie. The, there are a lot of good gags in the movie, even like kind of, you know, dialogue gags, but not all of them get over. Like we talked about tattoo guy, like that gag is, all right, but not laugh out loud funny. Where the movie really shines is visual gags. Most of this movie's visual gags are really good. And like really funny and really clever and well-timed. I That's, that's what I think this movie gets right most. Like the animation is really good. And so it sells the gags and it sells the wrestling moves and it sells like character stuff. Like visually, the visuals to me are the best thing about this movie. It seems like this is a movie where the writers did not know anything about pro wrestling or comedy, <laughs> but the animators did. Yeah. The, cause the, like it's sight gags and it's, it's, like the the action stuff like the 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 animating side of it that really really works about this it we we said as, as we were wrapping it up like this is probably the best WWE studios movie we've seen and we've yeah, seen I mean, most, if not all it's not a super high bar but of what we've seen i think this is the best one i think the cast largely is is good too. Like Will Arnett does not seem to be phoning it in in this movie as Steve slash Rayburn Jr. He's like funny when he needs to be funny and doing pathos when he needs to do pathos. 
Uh, Geraldine uh, Viswanathan is is good as Winnie Coyle. He's, he's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Terry Crews is a great like his heel turn as Tentacular is like fantastic. I think it's really yeah, well done. It is a like it feels like a legitimate wrestling heel turn. It's it's very fun. Yeah. Uh, Bridget Everett is is super fun. Ben Schwartz is clearly like doing a lot. Uh, in his He's role, maximizing his minutes for sure. Yeah, um, like t- you know, like all the actors in this movie are good. Yeah, agreed. Low points, Chris. <sighs> it doesn't know what wrestling is. Yeah, that's the, the movie one. does not know what for wrestling is, which is very frustrating to me. I think there's an argument to be made that it is trying to create its own thing because it's got it's doing a monster wrestling league, and so it's creating its own rules for that. But why can't it just be wrestling? You or know? or why isn't it monster boxing? Yeah, because it's a they WWE. Want it to films. be boxing, and I'm, I'm, I mean, it makes more sense if it's wrestling because that's more exciting, and it's monsters, and boxing has a lot of rules. But don't then bring in the rules for boxing. Do you think maybe it was? Do you think it was maybe rig- originally written as a boxing movie, and then WWE came in to as as like one of the production studios? I can't imagine it was because like, no, I I, I don't think so. But there's there's a lot of this movie that is still boxing, like yeah, that is boxing that is, that is boxing and that is Rocky for sure. Yeah, but 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 like, okay. The, the idea of a match having rounds is boxing, but also the idea of a corner man is boxing. Yeah, but I, you know? I, I feel like, like it is this. I, I I feel like it's the thing that we keep running into, where the people who make these movies assume that wrestling and boxing have the same rules, or that wrestling and UFC have the same rules of like rounds and corner man and ten counts. And they don't take the time to learn that is not the case. Yeah. Like, that's what um, I think it is. I think it's just a base unfamiliarity. And WWE doesn't, WWE does not and never has cared if people get pro wrestling right. <laughs> uh, my other low point that I would point out is in high points, I said all the actors in this movie are good, all the stunt casting is bad. Yeah. So, like, Becky Lynch and Roman Reigns are miscast as their characters. Michael Buffer is just playing himself, and he's not even good at that job. Sorry, Michael Buffer fans. He's not. Who is a Michael Buffer? Michael Buffer sucks, dude. Stephen A. Smith is fun at times, but also is just like... He's trying to do his like Stephen A. Smith ESPN thing, but his character is written. We haven't talked about his character Mark at all. His whole deal, like throughout the movie, is to say that what Rayburn Jr. is doing isn't wrestling. Why? He's like, I fucking hate this. Why is it not wrestling? And it's like, okay, well, why? Has there never been a wrestler with a dancing gimmick before? 
Yeah, because wrestlers have gimmicks. Yeah. Wrestlers have, the monsters have gimmicks, which means there was a Kaiju Gorgeous George. Yeah. So, like, there was a first wrestler to have a gimmick, right? Yeah. I don't know, man. I just, I don't get it. Like, why does, he never explains why it's not wrestling. He just says, it's not wrestling. Yeah. But what's, I, 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 like, like I said, I don't understand what's not wrestling about it. Charles Barkley is not bad as his character, Charles but he Barkley is just perfect. Charles Barkley. He's just Charles Barkley. <laughs> Charles Barkley is and remains perfect in every way in this film. Um, the other thing I would mention, I was going to say needle drops, which I think some are okay and some are pretty bad. I would say they mostly land on the side of pretty bad. Yeah. But I think needle drops actually fall into the category I noticed throughout the movie where just WWE shit is just thrown in here. And yeah. yeah. It's distracting. It doesn't help the movie and it's distracting. There's like a SmackDown sticker on Winnie's wall at one point. When Rayburn Jr. does that match with the Lucha Dragon, it's like NXT branded. Yeah, it's like sent him down to developmental. Yeah. And it's playing the Lucha Dragon's music. There's another part where some WWE music is used. Like in a weird place. It's the it's the Street um, Profits music. Street Profits music. And it's just it's just WWE stuff for having WWE stuff for the sake of that. Like you noticed that on the championship belt, which is otherwise like really cool looking. It's very classic looking. Yeah. Yeah. The word champion is stylized just like on the WWE title and is the worst thing about it. So like the WWE-ness of stuff is unnecessary and distracting. Yes, very. Very. All right, Chris, what are our final thoughts about Rumble? I feel like you can fix a lot of the weird problems with this movie by, instead of having it be, like, the whole town and, like, you know, doing the Take My Town South Beach thing, instead have it be that it's all in one city but there's a local promotion and a big promotion, right? Yeah. And the big promotion is the bad guy. I don't know why WWE films wouldn't want to do that, though. I don't know why they <laughs> wouldn't want to do a movie where the big promotion is, like, snapping up talent and then misusing them and really kind of unfairly competing with the smaller promotion. But... I I think you you solve a lot with that. I'm really coming around to the idea that maybe this movie was originally written as a boxing movie. Cuz even the notion of somebody like kind of being the representative of a town or a city fits better with boxing than it does with wrestling. Yeah, but the more I thought about that, the more I feel like that is one of those weird, like, British soccer things. Like, it feels like. Yeah, 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 for sure. But, like, okay, this this is another kind of British thing. 
more so than an American thing. Because it's, it's not like, you know, Floyd Mayweather represents wherever he's from, right? Mm-hmm. But British boxers are very tied into a city, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, if somebody comes and challenges them for a title match, they come and fight them in that city where they're from. And I know this because that's what happens in Creed. <laughs> mm, okay. Because the, the main opponent in Creed, in the first Creed, is from Liverpool. And then the big final match is in Liverpool. Slitherpool. Slitherpool, yeah. And even like Rocky, if we if we stick with the Rocky of it all, it's like Rocky very much represented Philly. You yeah. know? Yeah. Until he had to go and fight in Moscow on Christmas Day. That's right. And end communism. Yeah. USA, baby. So, I don't know if this is true, but the, the, the notion that this movie was originally a boxing movie is making more and more sense to me. I, I can see that. I, the, the thing is, I feel like there is a, there's enough good here that the, the, the shell of a good movie is in here. Like the, yeah. the, you could turn this into a good movie. It's not currently a good movie, but it's not a bad movie. It's it's watchable. Yeah, but there's enough in here where you could actually make it a good movie with some really really good gags and some really good. Just make it pro wrestling. You could just yeah, make I, it pro wrestling. I think one more pass on the script. To make it more wrestling than boxing. Yeah. To make it make a little more sense and maybe give Rayburn Jr. some personality. Which yeah. he sorely lacks. He, he likes can only do so much. He likes salsa dancing and that comes, again, out of nowhere. There should have been a bit where he did a heel turn. This movie doesn't have that, you know, Pixar, DreamWorks... It doesn't really have the thing where, like, the two main characters lose trust in each other. Yeah. It's got it for, like, a second. It's very brief, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, to put it in pro wrestling terms, you you can always tell a pretty good big main event match from a great big main event match by what announcers off, often refer to as the match going to another gear. This movie is pretty good. It has some good gags, but it never goes to another gear. Yeah. Shout out to the animators, though, who did a yeah. bang-up job with this. Like, genuinely impressive. Visually, great in every regard. Mm-hmm. The script really needed another pass. Definitely. But yeah, we this, this is the hell we have made for ourselves, unfortunately. <sighs> We will be back in August, which is when your birthday is, Chris, Mm -hmm. with another movie. And in July, we'll try a snack. Uh, If you'd like to email us with a movie suggestion or a snack suggestion, uh, you can email us at uh, moviefighterscast at gmail.com. We are on Tumblr at moviefighterscast.tumblr.com. 
and if you want to support the show and all the other shows Chris and I do, uh, head over to patreon.com slash Ajax and kick in as little as $1 a month to support Movie Fighters and Snack Situation, as well as our weekly show, War Rocket Ajax, and all the associated War Rocket Ajax podcasts. All the shows under that umbrella. If you want to find me and my stuff, go to mattdwilson.net to find links to my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website. It just links to everything that I do. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep on fighting. (laughs) 